0: An alpha is resourceful, building on an attitude of responsibility. He figures things out independently, not necessarily alone, but by his own ambitious drive to get things handled. He takes full advantage of tools and resources that are available to him in his pursuit of worthy goals. When he obtains resources, he protects them and multiplies them. He understands the concept of leverage and knows the uncommon wisdom that leads him toward financial prosperity. He's a master of knowing where to find and how to use instruments to get him where he's going and to get what he needs. Today we discuss being a man of resourceful energy with a dude who is extraordinary in his ability to navigate resources and multiply them.
1: If you're a man that controls his own destiny, A man that is always in the pursuit of being better. You are in the right place. You are responsible. You are strong. You are a leader. You are a force for good. Gentlemen, you are the Alpha. And this is the Alpha Quorum.
0: Welcome back to the Alpha Quorum show. Brad Singletary here. You guys, I'm so excited. You don't even know how much anticipation I've had in... Being here tonight with this guest. First of all, we have Taco Mike back in the what, what? back in the in the HQ over here. And uh what's up, you glorious bastards? I want to uh introduce our guest here a little bit first by talking about the fact that he's one of the original members of the Alpha Quorum on the Facebook group. He was nominated as the Alpha Quorum Man of the Year in 2020. And he was awarded recently the Father of the Year Award for 2020. And uh, if you're not a part of our Facebook group, you got to check that out. Um, just, man, I think there's 14 or 1,500 men from all over the world. I think 39 countries. And uh, there's some pretty great discussion there. But there we shared a little video by our guest's two sons who talked about some of the things that they appreciate with him. And part of that was to give a little something to this guy. I think he already has a shirt. One of the first guys to order one of our one of our I do. I <laughs> have a they're, shirt. They're kind of dumb. Those shirts, I I would totally do that different now. Is it like know? an early, the, early version? Yeah, it's just the the material. It's just, you know, the you were, they don't you fit were figuring right. it out. Yeah, just figuring it out. So the same is true with this hat. And I actually have some other hats being printed, but I have a hat and a little plaque that we'll take a picture of you later. And then this card here, Mike, if you want to pass those things down to
1: Oh, him, you want to do it right now? Yeah. Reveal? Yeah. Okay. Well, so we'll, you we can't see this. But we have a $10,000 gift card right here to <laughs> some woman's boutique. which' is just Chico's. You're going to really enjoy that. And then a very badass Alpha Quorum hat, Alpha Up. Brad does a really good job with the swag. You should, uh, yeah, you, we'll we'll put some pictures up, but...
0: For those of you that don't know that- Brad high way, level swag. The, 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 if you don't know that, Mike invented the term alpha up and I've got it in my office. I have this in little places. It's like in my bathroom. Every When I take a piss, there's a sign that says alpha up and I'm trying to piss better every time I- <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're trying to up that game? Yes. Well, so, you credit me, but I don't know that it wasn't maybe Jeremy or Derek or- I'm pretty sure it was you, dude. It's some
0: spontaneous thing, how you always kind of come up with this stuff. So very happy to have our guest here tonight. He's going to share some things- Uh, We're going to record actually two episodes. He's going to talk about um, his family, his his business highlights. Just want to welcome warmly, Justin Mackey. Thanks for being here. Big Jay. Thanks, Brad. We've been trying to uh, get this for like six months. My introduction to Justin was when we really started the uh, Facebook page. That was right about the time the Corona thing hit. And I wanted to get outside more and I hadn't been very active. And so I was asking some guys some things and this dude was like, Hey, I've got a bike. <laughs> uh, you want to borrow a mountain bike? And, and I was like, wait, what? And so I clicked on his picture and it said he lived in Henderson. And so I'm like, okay, he, he's got some junk in his garage. He wants to give me. And so he gave me directions to his house. Never met me before. Never had a conversation. He says, come on over, man. I'd love to get you on two wheels and, uh, come check out and see if this will work for you. And so he loans me this like $5,000 bike, <laughs> this really <laughs> nice mountain bike. And I rode it for, I don't know, two or three weeks and just nothing crazy. I didn't want to hurt myself, but just up here in the foothills down here in Henderson. And uh, it was just so cool to meet him that way. He just opened himself and he said, I've got something. If you can use it, come come take it. And he just let me drive away with his uh, with his, this cool mountain bike. And it was a good experience. And I still haven't bought one. But when I get in the market, I'll uh, consult you for that, Justin. But thanks for being here again. Now, Mike and Justin are buddies. I don't know as a means of introduction, Mike, if you have any cool, uh, I don't know, some props or any kind of opinions of this guy here, here.
1: I'm trying to remember exactly how I ran across you, but I've told Justin before, and I'll say this again. He's probably the only person that I would, uh, when the movie is made in my life, and we're probably in negotiations with some movie producers right now to make that happen. When there is a movie made of my life, Justin's probably the only person that I would authorize to play me. <laughs> and and that's- flattering. And that's awesome. That's, that's that, I don't know that I've ever that's said that's that to, to anyone else. So uh,
2: we, I don't remember how I stumbled on it, but we met, I actually called you. Just out of the blue, I, I messaged you on Facebook. I was like, I wanna to talk to you.
1: And uh, you were like, Who, who's this was guy? Was it through the Alpha Quorum? Did we already sort of have some connection happening through that? No. It wasn't, because I no. don't even think that Facebook group existed It wasn't yet. even in existence
2: yet. Yeah, it didn't and, happen. Um, you were doing Taco Moto Co here in town. I think that was pretty new. And um, you know, I'm, I have KTMs and ride dual sport. And I saw what you were doing kind of in this, we were crossing paths on Facebook. That's right, and it was it was like local moto stuff.
1: That's right. I was seeing that you were doing some cool stuff out there. You were probably seeing the same, and then
2: yeah, I, I, I kind of
1: think that's what. That's and what I like.
2: reached out, and uh, I, I think actually I reached out about getting involved with your Bajo, your your taco tours, because I wanted to, you know, get my business involved with taco tours, and I think that's actually with the phone call I made, and and we started the conversation that way.
1: It might have been. So, yeah, I'm glad your memory's better than mine. That's awesome that you started
0: it that way, that you just reached out to someone that you saw had something that was interesting, and uh, we're going to be talking about resourcefulness tonight, and that's a cool thing that that probably takes that for a man to be able to just open your mouth, and I mean, it's an introduction. You got to take and, the up. And how many, yeah, and how many yeah. How many opportunities really stem from just pleasant conversation or, you know, introducing yourself. Before we get started, man, Justin, real quick, tell us about, you know, your family, um, you own a business. Talk about your personal yeah, life a little yeah. bit. Yeah, um,
2: got two boys. They're uh, age ten and twelve. And you know, like everybody says about their kids, they're wonderful. And mine are um, married. Married thirteen years. Wife's name is Rochelle. Um, she's born and raised here in Henderson, which is why I live in the scorched earth here,
1: Hendertucky. Hendertucky. Henderson, <laughs> For um, those who don't know, Henderson, Hendertucky here, at Henderson is just like a outside edge of town, suburb of Vegas. Yeah,
2: yeah you know, there's no pine trees. There's no water. Um, no, no.
1: Why are we here?
2: No black dirt. No Why one should actually live here? here. So I'm from the Pacific Northwest originally. And I moved down here. Um, and, uh, for 10, I was going to be down here temporarily. And, and I planned to be here for a year or two. This was 15, 16 years ago. And, um, and I, I met my wife and got married and had kids and her family's here. So,
0: seems yeah. like guys usually live where their wife is from. <laughs> I actually knew a guy who his parents said he paid all the kids. He said, we'll give you $10,000 for your wedding. If you marry someone from Las Vegas, <laughs> they yeah. didn't want him to, they didn't want him to go out we'll into bonus,
2: the bonus. Yeah. Well, I mean, a, a, a woman's, a woman's parents, you know, is, is an important thing. Having, having that, that unit together close. I mean, um, you know, I get to go do a lot of fun stuff, and and the only way I get to do that is my wife has that support system. You know, if she was sitting at home on the couch waiting for me to get home, most it's, of my fun stuff wouldn't be happening.
0: Did they like you, or had they been mad at her for fifteen years? Oh no, no, I think I think
2: we're good. I think I've, I've never asked, but uh, I think <laughs> I'm we're, sure good. They we're about to find <laughs> out. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so we're talking about uh, resourcefulness and specifically we want to talk about some financial things but talk about yeah. your business a little bit you uh, this is kind of your area here your wheelhouse
2: yeah um, I'm a financial advisor that's what it says on my business card but that's a that's a pretty broad term you know you can go down to Wells Fargo or any bank and you know there's a guy down there that you can buy stocks or bonds from that's you know a licensed financial advisor. I have some SEC licenses that allow me to talk to people and and help people buy different securities. Um, and and manage portfolios. And I choose to do that in my business, specializing in private equity. So private equity is investments that are outside of the stock market. Mm. There's a whole other world outside of the public mm-hmm. stock market where people can invest mostly in real estate. I do a lot. I do mostly in real estate, lots of um, big institutional grade apartments and help people invest in that space. That's what I focus on in my business. And yeah, that's, that's what we do.
0: I can't wait to hear what we're going to learn from you. I don't know if any of you know Lewis Howes, but he wrote a book called the school of greatness and he has a podcast that has been very successful, but he talked about, you know, educating himself through conversations that he records. And I think that's probably why I'm motivated to do this because I think men need to know this, but so do I, I'm just a typical idiot who doesn't know what he's doing in life. And so I appreciate you being here, man. So resourcefulness, this is one of the red nine topics, and I just want to hit those real quick, and then we'll jump into the discussion here. So he figures it out, and Alpha figures it out. He leverages his available resources. He recognizes himself as the resource, so he's increasing his knowledge and talent and skills. He masters tools of every kind. He acquires and multiplies assets, uses the keys of prosperity, and he's self-reliant and prepared for likely hardships. So in general, Justin, and you, Taco Mike, jump in here on any of this. In general, what's your attitude about being resourceful, and figuring things out? I know the fun you guys have, and I know the kinds of, I've seen your garages, both of you, and I know what you got going on, but what's your attitude about being resourceful, figuring things out?
2: You know, some of the most influential men that I've I've ever known They all have a common trait, which is jack of all trades, master of nothing. (laughs) And I I think that men who are jacks of all trades, master of nothing, they're not afraid to dive into something new. They're not afraid to learn a new skill. That's, That's how they got to that place in their life. And I think you can start that in your life at any given time. I see a lot of people that are resistant to learning new things. Or they they think that they can't do it. You know, whether it's mechanical, it's a bike, or whether it's a car, or whether it's sheetrock in a house. Everything that you can go to Home Depot and buy, or you can go to Cycle Gear and buy, or buy from Takomoto, was built for a human with hands and feet <laughs> to install, take apart. I mean, that's what it was made for. And everybody... You know, I think if people are just open to learning how to do more things, they can be a better jack of all trades, master of nothing.
0: I love the idea that, you know, laziness is kind of the, that's where invention is created. And I think about whoever invented the wheel, (laughs) they had to get sick of what was going on. And so maybe frustration leads resourcefulness sometimes. Any thoughts on that, Mike? Just how do you see your obligation or your opportunity to figure things out?
1: Somehow I fell down the rabbit hole on YouTube of like farmers. There's a couple of farmers out there who have these very, very informative... You know, they're not very entertaining. They're super dry and boring, really. But it's just sort of like this documentary-style um, YouTube video, one of these YouTube channels, and it's this farmer. And he's just basically he's, like talking about and showing the mundane realities of being a friggin' farmer. And he's in the tractor, and he's like got his selfie camera. He's got his little GoPro up, and he's like, you know, just talking through like this button does that. It's freaking fascinating. And then the tractor breaks. This dude has to be an electrician. He's got to be an electrical engineer because it could be an electrical problem with one of the machines. It could be hydraulic. It could be uh, a, a jack drive. It could be any number. It could be a bolt, something sheared off. And he's out there by himself, maybe with a helper, maybe with his wife or a kid. And anything he hires out and has to like subcontract out, that's money out of his pocket. And so... A farmer is a guy, I use this as a representative. A farmer is a guy, and then he's also, so look at the ways that a farmer is emblematic of what Justin's talking about. He's also a, a banker. He's got to finance his his plant. He's got to do payroll. He's got property taxes. Uh, he's got equipment, maintenance. Uh, he's um, got loans on on the land, possibly. He's got investors in his operation. He's repairing things. He's lining up the crops for next year, he's buying the seed, he's getting the fertilizer guy lined out, like all of this stuff. He's negotiating prices for the harvest. It's hard for me to think of anyone who's more you know, potentially spread thin. Now, this is a guy who is getting, plus he's got to raise his kids, be a husband and all these things. It's not always a man. It could be a woman who's doing all this. The other thing too, just, just a quick aside, is there's this organization that is, If you want a good cry, send me an email and I'll send you a link to these videos. It's this group that when a farmer is in trouble, when he is sick or injured, these other retired farmers, and not always retired, but these other farmers, they will rally, swoop in, and then carry the load of the operation until this guy's back on his feet. It's utterly gut-wrenching, like the stories that they tell and then the work that they do. I'm going on a tangent here, but here's the punchline to be, to live a life where you are so many things really is to have a very deep and resourceful toolkit and to be able to provide value into your family, into your community, into the people that you're with. And I just use that farmer, that example. I don't, I'm not a farmer and I don't know personally any farmers, but if I, just to finish out with how Justin framed that, if I'm jack of all trades, I'm capable of living a life that is, I'm qualified and I'm skilled at a ton of things because that's what's demanded of me in life. I don't get to live a life where all I do is think about one thing all day. And that's all that life affords me. Like I live such a great sheltered life that all I have to do is, you know, think about one thing all day long. That is not my life. I have to think about 72 different things during the day. And then tomorrow it's going to be a different 41 things. And then the next day it'll be 27 different things. So if I don't have the ability to adapt and then overcome, I am not alpha and I am, I'm not a user to myself or to anyone else.
0: Yeah. Well said. Some of that is you're saying out of necessity, this, you know, the farmer as the example, he would have to do that, but there's also the belief that he can think of all the new problems that come up and he's just believing, all right, I I guess I need to, uh, Figure this one out, and he just takes off and he heads for it. You mentioned tools, Mike. I'm curious about how you guys find tools. You're both handy people. Again, I've been in your garages. I know what kind of machines you operate in life in general. Where do you learn about tools, and what tools do you have? What are the things that you're using? I asked in the Facebook group uh, one time. I asked some guys about that, and almost no one responded. Maybe it was the wrong time of day. I don't know, but what are the tools you use for your life to be resourceful, to figure it out? You know, the, the
2: most important tool in my life is is people, is relationships. And uh, I think that everything that we do in our lives, I and mean, this sounds cliche, but it boils down to how you manage relationships in your life and who who you build relationships with and, you know, who, who you keep up in a relationship with. That's the best tool I I could ever think of because everything else is replaceable people aren't knowing people being of value to others means that when you need them they'll be of value to you
0: dang that's the secret <laughs> that's how you can fly planes and go all over the world with motorcycles <laughs> and do all that kind of stuff you mentioned two things and how we know both know you was a matter of your initiating a relationship you didn't know me i was just a guy saying what can i do in the desert heat during coronavirus yeah, and you invited me into a relationship with you, which I hope to see continue. But same thing with Mike, you invite, you approached him and you built something and it sounds like that's been valuable to both of you. Tools, Mike, uh, what kind
1: of tools? Well, Justin hashtag nailed it because probably the most important asset anybody can. So a tool is just a resource, money is a tool, a tool is a tool. There's so many things you could call a tool. You could be a tool, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, I hope we're using it in the best in, in the in the right term or in the best term. The way I envision a tool is there's the thing and then the user. And so, a tool sitting on a bench is worthless without a craftsman. So, maybe to use Justin's great answer, I could have a ton of people in my life that are very sharp tools, right? Very useful tools. If I'm terrible at understanding the value of relationships and terrible at maybe even negotiating and managing relationships, then none of those tools may all as well be like dull knives stuck in the ground, rusting away. They're doing me no good. They're no value to me and where I want to go in my life. However, if I become a craftsman, I think maybe to even continue further with with what Justin said, if I first and foremost become a craftsman, how to manage relationships, maybe it's possible, it's entirely possible that the rest of things, that everything else will take care of itself. Is that too big of a stretch? Is that too big of a...
2: I think you're right. I think it, I think it really does. You know, the, the analogy you talked about with the farmer, that farmer's group, that is that. That farmer's group that swoops in and that guy gets down, that's a perfect example of everything works out. if If you have a big enough tribe, and you keep your tribe sharp enough and you provide value to them, then in your time of need, they'll it, be there. No
1: question asked. No questions asked. Those guys swoop in. Yeah. You're a farmer. You're in our tribe. You're in, in a hurt. Then we're on, we're there.
2: And they're happy to, they're proud to do it. They're related to do they
1: it. They are living. They like are dedicated to that.
2: That's they're. They don't want to see ill will upon anybody, but they're waiting for the phone call. I and mean, they love it.
0: That's so awesome. I, I, what I'm hearing is that every tool is available. I like your distinction, Mike, between talking about there's the tool and then there's the user. Every tool that you could possibly need, it's already exists. But you have to know that it's there. you got to want it. You have to... At AutoZone, they'll, they'll borrow you any tool that you have. You can loan it to your friends, your neighbors. There's tools everywhere. There's a book and a YouTube video on just about anything. But it means engagement. That's a whole nother topic we're going to talk about later, but the resource so often is a person or a group of people. That's a central message that we have is that you need some dudes in your life. You need people to ask, Hey, how would you handle this? I've got this going on in my marriage. I have this broken on my dirt bike. Tell me what would you, uh, where would you lead me on that? Those tools are out there. It's just a matter
1: of implementing the tool. That's the through line of the Alpha Quorum right there, is that everything any dude listening to this needs in his life is already there. It's hidden in plain sight. Every problem that I have, I could could say this for myself personally, every problem that I've ever had and every issue that I have had and probably will have, the solutions and the aid is all around me. It's tools, it's just like a dude, and maybe just to use this visualization, it's like a dude who's in his garage has this fantastic toolbox of amazing resources, right? These tools, and he has no clue how to use them, and he's forgotten they're even there. Yeah. He's neglected them, and there's cobwebs running all around the box. For many of us, I think that maybe that's the way that the relationships that we have in our life maybe they're like that. Maybe, and I, as I think about this, I'm thinking about some guys I've had conversations with lately who are like, I think I had a, I think I was in a car trip somewhere with somebody, and and the the topic turned to something along the, f- the lines of like your childhood relationships, the, the dudes you were friends with in, in little, little schools and then uh, high school and college. Like, How many of us in this car, we just sort of went around. Who of us are still friends and who has the longest lasting friendship? And there were a few of us that, that and, and I'm very lucky in this way, I've got friends from kindergarten. I have, I have multiple dudes that I talk to on a, not always daily, but at least a weekly and for sure monthly. Basis that go back to kindergarten and forward, and there are a couple of dudes in there who are like, "Yeah, I, I don't know, I have some work friends." That's what I yeah. think. Isn't that sad? Who are you? Who you know? Who are your closest buddies? You know, a couple of guys at work, and you know, my my brother-in-law.
2: Yeah, yeah, that would be tough. You know, that's that's a that's a guy going into a garage with his wife's car broken and opens the drawer in the toolbox and there's nothing in it.
0: Man, I'm just I'm so impressed to hear you say, Justin, that. Your the greatest tool for you is relationships. Like I, I really thought you would have said reading or
1: you know, I kind of c- would have
0: too creative energy or just something just, I don't know. But man, and then I think about that's how that's how we're sitting here right now. That's how this has happened. You won the Father of the Year award. That's about relationship. I mean, dude, this is this is so, so glad that you're sharing that. You brought something up. You know how we met. I
2: I reached out to you on Facebook some years back and maybe actually it was just last year actually and uh offered up a bike right and mike i hit you up on the phone a couple years ago maybe and to talk about moto stuff because i was doing a lot of dual sport and ktm and you were doing the same thing in town and i didn't know you but i could see our paths were crossing and i didn't know either one of you and i think a lot of people they can't take that step they can't reach out in sales, it's called taking the up, right? Mm. So I was in sales for a long time. And my background's in sales and retail sales. I took a lot of ups. I was the I was the youngest guy, I think I still am, that Foot Locker ever hired nationally. I sold shoes in a mall at Foot Locker when I was 15 years old. And I took the ups. And when we weren't slow, I'd walk out into the hallway in the mall and try and sell shoes, get people in the store, because I was bored. And- I think that I just have conditioned myself to be able to take the up, because it's it's scary to take the up. You know, most people, you know, wouldn't reach out to you about the bike because they talk themselves out of it, because, well, well maybe that guy's not gonna like me, or he's not gonna like my bike, or he's gonna ruin it, or he's gonna come to my house, and now he's gonna know where I live. And I mean, they, you know, they get in their own head about it.
0: They rationalize themselves right out of an opportunity. Right
2: out of it, right? And and they try and think too far down the road, you know, being a planner and doing all that's great. But sometimes you just got to pick up the phone and be like, hey, dude, what's up? And be like, uh, I don't know you. You're like, well, you do now. Is that how you <laughs> met your wife? <laughs> I met my wife on MySpace.
1: Oh, dang. Ah, I, he took, you me, took up. me up on MySpace. <laughs> uh,
2: I'm an uptaker.
1: <laughs>
2: and that's a story
0: for another podcast. Uh, another day. <laughs> so I, wanted, I want to shift over here into the financial stuff. Yeah. Um, that's part of resourcefulness. I mean, in general, we talk about tools, but your expertise is in p- handling money and preparing for the future. When it comes to financial things, what do you think the typical man is doing wrong? You know, just the average Joe out there who can't seem to make ends meet. He's especially not able to get ahead. Why does, why is that?
2: Yeah, it's a, that's a big question. I, I and to generalize that is is a difficult thing to do, but I think that there's there's numerous things that people can do you know that men can do out there to to maximize their finances and you know I'm in the investment business. I help people invest their money and and make money with money, right um, But at the core of that question it it really starts before that because you have to acquire the money before you can fret about invest- investing it right. right. Um, it's got to have your name on it. It's got to be in your bank account. And so um, you know, it, it it comes right down to the core of of doing something that has an income that supports your lifestyle and vice versa. And I think the easiest way for people to build wealth is to number one, choose something as an occupation in your life that you truly love doing. If you hate going to work every day, I mean unless they're paying you a million dollars to show up, you should probably chase what you love and the money will come. And unfortunately, you know, I I I I'm I think I probably made some wrong choices early on. I know I did, um, because I was chasing the money and I wasn't necessarily chasing what I wanted to be doing. I didn't go do what I wanted to do in my heart because I wanted to get paid. I wanted to buy a new four-wheeler and go to the dunes and buy a new pickup. And, you know, I wanted to have things. So, you know, that, that made the first 20 years of my career, my work life a lot harder, I think, because I was chasing money and not, not what, you know, something that I was really, truly in love with doing.
1: Did you know what you were, what could have been in love with doing back then? Like, what would you have done talking to yourself now going back in time you'd shake your shoulders and say wake up dummy yeah
2: i would have gone in the military um because i think that that's the greatest foundation one of the greatest foundations you can have in our society and um you know i'm also a firm believer that you know everything happens for a reason and so i don't fret on that at all but if i was to go back and tap you know, 18-year-old me on the shoulder. You'd say. Um, I'd I, I join the military.
1: Get in service. Yeah. Let's see where that would take you.
2: Yeah. And I started down that path. There was a kid on my street, a guy on my street that was older than me and, you know, another buddy that was on my street that we were all enthralled with airplanes. And this kid was old enough that when we were going into high school, he was getting in his fighter jet. And we looked up to him. I mean, that was like the coolest thing ever. And this was back when you could do this, but I don't know if you still can, I doubt it. Um, but he, he flew his F-18 Hornet fighter jet to our local municipal airport home for Christmas. <laughs> and we went out to the airport and stood on the runway while he landed his fighter jet on the runway and. You know, we walked up to it and helped him out and we pre-flighted the airplane when he left and he put on a little air show for us. I mean, it was just me and two other kids that we were like in high school and this guy's, you know, four years, five years older than us. And-
0: Is he still in the military? Do you get in trouble for that? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, you could do that. That was like- was, Once upon a time, that was a thing. <laughs> it was a thing, yeah. And um, so I started down that path and uh, to answer your question, and um, I, I got off of it and that was when i started flying actually when i you know i was 15 16 years old when i first started flying and but then i got away from it and um so yeah to answer your question you know hindsight's 2020 20. um i wouldn't have my beautiful wife that i have today and my beautiful kids and you know life would be different today no doubt i wouldn't trade it for the world but i think it's important to follow to follow what you really truly want to do not the money, and the the money will come. The the people it, that I get to see in my business that are the most successful money wise, they did something that they truly loved, or they were truly they had a gift for. They they weren't just they weren't just grinding the grindstone. They weren't just wheeling the wheel for somebody. Um,
0: They're doing what they are.
2: They exactly. I I, I truly believe that every single person on this planet is born with some special gift, at least one of them. And a lot of people, many, you know, maybe they have multiple gifts, but there's things that they are naturally, inherently better at than the majority of people around them. And I think if somebody can seek that out in themselves, be introspective and test the waters when they're young, maybe in a few occupations or jobs, and, and be open to new things. If you can find that, those are the people that are wildly successful.
1: So are those generally your clients? Would you say that you have, that, that that's the predominant of your client base as opposed to uh, the guy who's the, the lineman for the local utility. And he owns some, you know, he owns some rental houses and he's got some disposable income. That's, he's not, he's not doing what he was like born for. I hear you saying figure out what you're born for and then just freaking go for it yeah. as opposed to click into some, you know, a uh, government job. Not, not that I'm throwing shade on anybody in any, any field at all, but that may not be where his heart is. That guy might have a heart for something else, but he's just grinding out those gears. Those guys aren't your clients.
2: Yeah. You know, I have clients of all walks of life, but we have a little, I have a little bit of a unique business in the sense that the investments that, that we make available to our clients are for accredited clients only. There's classifications. The, the Securities and Exchange Commission actually has classifications, different classifications of investors. Most people don't even know this exists. Um, it's like a VIP section for investors. And- Certain net worth or certain types yeah, of things like that. exactly. So the, there's non-accredited investors. A non-accredited investor in, in our society, in the United States is somebody- who, who is single and makes 000, less than $200,000 a year. Or if they're married, they make less than $300,000 a year. So both of those things are qualifiers to be uh, accredited. Or if you have a million dollar net worth, not including your primary residency. So those are the three qualifiers and or. In, in our society, the SEC says that, well, if, if you make that kind of income and... Or you have that kind of net worth, then you get to choose from this menu of investments over here. It's different than the menu of investments for everybody else.
1: So it's a little bit like coach and then business and then first class.
2: Exactly. So first class would be like qualified client. First class is you make, you have $5 million net worth or more. Um, accredited would be business class. And then coach is, Non-accredited clients. And so there's actually investments that are specific to each, you know, the the public market, stock market, anybody can buy. Accredited investors have an additional menu of investments that nobody else even gets to see.
0: Wow, that's... <laughs> That's that's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah, you can tell which bracket I'm in. <laughs> if I knew that already, I would have probably I might, would have been. Which more one
1: better. is the bus, <laughs> the city bus? Which one is like flip
0: flops? So to that. answer your question,
2: yeah, you know, I I get to see this this really um, incredible view, you know, my clients um, of class of folks that that have made a lot of money and and have money to participate in that part of our society and in, in investing and. You know, I, I do think that there's a common thread that the majority of them, they did something to acquire that money that they were especially good at. The trades are amazing. I love the trades, but, uh, you know, I, a lot of dentists, doctors, business owners, I see the greatest amount of wealth being built by folks that, um, I shouldn't say I don't have any tradesmen because I have guys that owned trades companies
1: they're the contractor. yeah like the they owner. they were the owner right they maybe um, came up in the trades and yeah made...
2: exactly um those guys you know if if you can build something and sell it that's that's the that's the game changer wealth wise um when you can when you build something you can pull the lever on and somebody will write you a check for it that's a game changer
0: you guys ever heard of Grant Cardone? He's a kind of a speaker and he's a oh, real estate yeah. guy, I know wealthy, Grant. wealthy guy. But he talks about he he has a book called the 10x rule. Is it the 10x rule? Yeah, it's 10x. Yeah. Anyway, he talks about you know most people are happy to look at a 10 percent raise or something like that. He's talking about make it 10 times that. Make it.
2: Yeah, Grant's theory is and, is if you want to make 200 grand, you need to be aiming for two million. <laughs> forget about your, your, if you want to make 200 grand, you need to make your goal 2 million. Everything's 10 X.
0: So I just meet a lot of guys who they're, they're working in these trades or whatever. And they're, they just feel limited. Like that's about all they can do. This is what I do. I'm a truck driver. I, this is kind of where I'm at. This is my skill level. And I just, it, it drives me. It motivates me to continue to see beyond where I am, but and men are sometimes just so limited in what they believe they could even do. So they're never going to take the steps. They're never going to use the tool, even though they exist. It's- we,
2: uh, we live in a society that is very forgiving to those that have the balls to do stuff. Donald Trump's a good, uh, a good example of that. He, I think a lot of people know his story, so I'll use that analogy. But how many bankruptcies has that guy had? You know, we, we live in a society that if, if you swing for the fence and you miss, you're probably going to be okay. You can be and start over and swing for the fences some more. And I think that, you know, a lot of guys could benefit from swinging for the fences a little more
0: get rid of the fear and just take some steps and take a risk. Yeah.
1: There's another part of that too, that I am the beneficiary of. And that is, there's a lot of people who are very generous and then welcoming to someone they see swinging to the fence. So like when I started Takamoto, we were just, it was just me and my wife. Like we are, we are truly like, no joke. We are a mom and pop operation. It yeah. is me, my wife, my 15 year old kid, and then a handful of people who help us out. And there are people, I get emails all the time. I got an email today from a guy who said, thank you for the content you put up on YouTube. It helped me out of a jam when I had a problem and I saw the, you, you instructed me and you, you taught me through this particular problem I had. I am now loyal to you. I will buy all of my motorcycle parts from you forever. Thank you very much for doing it. I don't care if you're... And he said something to the effect of like, I don't even care if you're more expensive than the other guy, I'm going to get my parts from you.
2: So you provided massive value.
1: Massive value. And so Tony Robbins talks a lot about it, the more value you put out into the world, the more the world will pay you for that value. It will pay you for your specialty. It will pay you for kind of what you're saying. It will pay you for your risk. It'll pay you for your guts. Mm-hmm. It'll pay you for your for your skill, for all for every bit of free. And here's something too that I that I have found that was taught to me. And then I am just practicing it. Give it away. Yeah. Give it away. Give away your knowledge. Give away. I almost said your time. I think that, yes, I think, so I'm giving away my time. I do these, you know, I make these videos or I write these instructional papers. I don't get any money. Well, YouTube pays me like $21 a quarter. So I guess I do I'm make, bawling. yeah, I'm totally like hitting, hitting hard on YouTube. So I, it's not exactly true that YouTube doesn't pay me because they do, but it's insignificant. It's meaningless. So I do these things. They take my time. They take my resources. I invest in them and they're free. And I will, and I will answer any question of anyone at any time. I, my phone kind of buzzes 24 seven and guys are like, I have a thing and help me out. And I do. I am happy to give it away. And in return, the universe says here is the reward of that. And it's loyal customers who are willing to patronize us for no other reason. There's other choices. There's probably, there's better choices. We charge MSRP on all our parts. We don't really do discounts. We, we don't do like loyalty. You know, there are places you can go buy you can go buy your motorcycle parts. And every time you, you do an order, they like, they, you, you get points and loyalty points and, you know, mm-hmm. gimmicks like that. Mm-hmm. We don't do any of that. But yet I have people who are like locked in to us because we found, and to your point, Justin, we figured out what we were good at. And I say we intentionally, I'm not saying me, I'm saying we, because it's my wife and my son and the people that help us. We figured out what we're good at. We figured out how to share it and to share it. Freely and generously and openly without almost without limitation. There are some limitations, but almost without limitation, we give it away. We give it away. We give it away. And then we offer something of value, you know, these parts and these components. And then we ask a fair market price for them. And we have just, we grow month after month, after month, after month, our business grows. Yeah. And it is... To your exact point, it is because we figured out a way that we were we were uniquely uniquely talented or uniquely gifted, and then we poured into that. We we like explored it and figured out okay, well, what does that mean and how would it look and what what could we do and like we spent we've spent a, a, a countless number of hours sort of trying to lay the foundation of how that would work and what it would look like, and then we deployed it and then the universe was just like, F yeah. Like we want that. So to the truck driver, who's, you know what, Brad, this is such a great point. There's a guy right now, listen to this, who's a truck driver. You, you, what a gift you have all that time on your hands to explore and examine and, and imagine what you could do to the guy who's the shift worker. And he's got a job that gives him and affords him a ton of boring time. How, How many people are out there? We've, I've had these jobs where like, I just sit there and, and waste away the most precious gift I have in life. And that is the, the breaths and the moments that I'm living. Mm-hmm. And I've just stared at paint on the wall. I've watched a, i have watched a I remember when I was in high school, I had a job, I was, I won't go into the detail cause it's irrelevant, but I had this job and I sat at a desk and answered phones and I watched a bug. I remember this so well, it's coming, it's so vivid. I watched a bug just like for 20 minutes. It felt like that long, just walk across the wall because I just did not have the imagination to do something more creative. That's you. You're telling the story of your 18 year old self. That's me. I'm 18 years olds old. Just watching this bug walk across the wall. What a dummy. I would go back and say, why didn't you learn another language? Why didn't you, you could have at 18 years old, me now in my current state, had I have applied myself then think of the multiplier effect of where I could be now, Yeah. but no regrets. I am. It is what it is but I am certainly now at this moment in my life, not wasting a moment. I'm not watching bugs climb across the wall. I'm figuring out ways to amplify and maximize every tool and then build tools and make tools. Metaphorically speaking, invent new tools, make more tools because it's not a zero sum game. And if I do a new thing, it doesn't take away from anything. And this is what's so powerful about money too. And courage and Brad, what you're talking about, it can, it grows exponentially and infinitely. There's no ceiling. There's no limit. There's no limit to hope. There's no limit to ambition and desire. There's no finish line. It's just, it's forever and it's infinite and friendships the same way. Like it's, it's infinite and inexhaustible how deeply we can pour resources into those things and use those tools and amplify those tools. That is the great joy and beauty of life is it's, infinite. The possibilities are, are limitless.
2: Yeah. Brad, to a point that he made, you you mentioned age. That's another massive multiplier in wealth. If you can get your shit together when you're young and you can put some money away on a consistent basis, you can literally invest it in anything. I mean, you know, you can just buy S and P 500, totally vanilla mutual fund and just forget about it if you start when you're young and you just sow some money into that, you know, the market's going to go up and the market's going to go down. But if you just forget about it, time heals, time heals the market. And, and that thing produces like 6% annualized return over a historic period, you know? And I mean, you start doing the math and the compounding interest of just, you know, putting 500 bucks away, um, you know, a month or, or uh, some significant savings, you know, in an account that does that it's, you start young, you got more money to know than you know what to do with before you're 40.
1: Do you have any clients, any stories of people who did that or?
2: I wish I don't. No. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I I don't. I wish I did. I mean, you know, I I feel like.
1: Or maybe you don't know that that's where they got that first like seed of their wealth.
2: Yeah. It's, uh, you know, young and dumb is real.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You got three guys (laughs) who can testify to that.
0: (laughs) I'm going to I'm gonna make my 18-year-old listen to this show. He, he listens to someone, but I'll make sure he listens to that. It's interesting. You're talking about the compounding interest. And that's that's one of those things that... I mean, I was probably 30 years old before I ever even looked at any of those charts. Yeah. I was at a job and the HR person was like, here, you should invest. And here, we match. And here, have you ever done the math on this? And look what would happen if you start when you're 25 versus when you're 45. If there are guys out there listening to this show that don't know what we're talking about, you need to Google...
2: Yeah, Google compounding interest calculator, and just start punching numbers in, and you just and play with
0: it, and you'll, you'll, you'll be amazed at yeah. what happens. You 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 invest a hundred thousand over some period of time, and it comes, it turns out to be two million dollars. And the thing
2: of it is, is is you know, hundred grands, a lot of money. It sounds like a lot of money, and and it's it seems unobtainable. And I have seen people. I don't have any clients this way, Mike, but I have seen people that, you know, they just started right from the get-go when they started school or started working and they just put money away every paycheck and they never dipped into it. They never loaned out of their 401k. They never, you know, rescued themselves from a bad decision with their retirement fund um, at, you know, 25 years old because they changed a job and they could. Um, they have a pile of money by the time they're 40 years old. And, you know, I look back on if I would have put a few hundred dollars away, you know, or up to a thousand dollars away a month, you know, in a, in an account like that from a, from a fairly early age working, it probably wouldn't have changed my lifestyle any. But then when you're young, you know, I thought that I, I needed new wheels on my truck you know, I needed these, I needed to change the headlights that worked just fine on my pickup because these, <laughs> you the these other headlights can't, you know what I mean? Like stupid shit like that. I mean, I think back about all the stupid shit like that I've bought. It's countless. I mean, if so, I still had that money today.
0: whoo You have this specialized knowledge. You have like secret knowledge. We did a, we did a show a couple months ago called the magician. And it was from this book, King warrior, magician lover. Basically, the magician is the person who has secret knowledge, but he shares it. So what made me think of this is what Mike's saying. He's not the street performer who's just doing tricks and never tells his, his secret. He, he shares his knowledge, but you have, you have an understanding of how money works far beyond most everyone that I know personally. For sure, with these SEC credentials and things like that. But how did you get it? Where, what, how do you know the things that you know about how money works? When did it begin for you?
2: this is going to sound silly, It began when I was five. I didn't realize that it had began when I was five until I was about 35. My parents got divorced when I was five. My mom remarried. And the man that she remarried owned businesses. He owned one business when she married him and he bought other businesses as time went on and and grew his collection of businesses and in the town that we lived in, he was the wheel. You know, we had a, a shop by our house that, you know, had a beer fridge in it and a pool table and a couple classic cars, and it had a bar in it and a poker table. And that's where business in town got done. At our house every night, it was the chief of police, the fire chief, the big business owners in town, the big landowners, the mayor they were there drinking beer playing cards that's that was like where things got done and that was normal to me because i grew up in it and i just got i was exposed to it and and i didn't realize what kind of exposure that was until i was much older you had
1: no clue how you were being trained
2: none zero i had no clue that that information that i had been privy to from the time i was you know this tall Five years old was special information, <laughs> you know, so it's just exposure. Now I believe that's one of my gifts that I get to do what I do today because I didn't realize how, how easily they came to me or that knowledge came to me as opposed to other people. And then when I did realize that, you know, I, I was ready to get out of the retail business at that point, And it was a good transition. I had I had started down the financial services path, um pretty fresh out of school. you know I was twenty something years old, and I looked like I was about fifteen, and I was going door to door to sell life insurance i mean it was it, it wasn't fun it's tough to do that, yeah <laughs> yeah, it's you know sitting at people's kitchen table talking about you know mortality <laughs> isn't exactly
0: you <laughs> love it, you didn't love it. You didn't really. No, I didn't love it, so I
2: I moved on. You know, and and I'm glad I did. But I'm I'm, I I found my way back to it. Yeah,
0: yeah. that's cool. So you've got this specialized knowledge, but you you've had to approach people. You've had to talk to the business owners that you knew and the people that had the knowledge around you. Those those people are already in your life, guys. You, You guys who are listening, there are people in your life who understand money in a much deeper way than you do. Do you know who they are, and are you willing to take the up?
2: Yeah. Take that up. That's right.
0: Are you willing to open your mouth and admit your ignorance on a topic and just say, how does that, what rule of 72, what What do you mean? What is an annuity? And what What do these words mean that I don't know what they are? Don't yeah. be afraid. You're a dummy if you don't ask the dumb question. So at some point you had to go back, you had to ask people things, you had to read things talk about the evolution of your understanding of like how it all works. Cause I'm guessing you understand the political system. You understand the taxation. You understand so many aspects of this whole thing. Yeah. That's part of it. I mean,
2: um, in financial planning and in my business, you know, yes, we quote unquote sell, you know, investments, but before that we do a lot of tax planning because, and help people do tax planning because, you can make all the money you want, but if you can't keep it from writing a check to the government for the majority of it or a big chunk of it, then you don't have it to invest. So if I was to send somebody anywhere to find a a resource, there's a a website called Investopedia, like Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. And Investopedia is basically Wikipedia for investments language. And you can sign up for free. You receive like a, an email newsletter that they put out daily. They have a text message that you can sign up for. It's totally free, all of it. I'm not affiliated with it in any way. I just, I think it's a good site. And they'll send you an investment word of the day.
0: Oh, nice.
2: And it's like a text message that you get during the day. And it's some word that, you know, the the, the financial services industry, it's a little bit of an oddity in the sense that the financial service industry in my purview, has in general created a language all to itself really for a self-serving reason, and that is to confuse people.
1: So like the law. Yes. Just created jargon and lingo to make itself exclusive and confusing. Same thing. To protect its own interests. Correct.
2: Financial services is the same thing.
0: Same with medicine or any yeah. kind of like yeah. It doesn't
2: need to be some silly, crazy name that you have to, you know, like, can we just call it what it is? I mean, so part of financial services is language like law. And to me, it's not really complicated. in my view, anything in investing that's complicated probably isn't good. Simple is better. If it's simple and you understand it and move forward. If it's complicated and the person that's helping you buy it can't really explain it that well, the answer is no.
0: It's interesting you're talking about vocabulary. I think that's exactly why mm. the judge is the judge and the attorney is the attorney and the doctor is the doctor. They've learned vocabulary. They've it learned really those is tools,
1: right? So we're talking about tools. Yes. Yeah. Is it, aren't those tools words. within an industry? Words. words yeah, are tools. they are words. Words, concepts, yep. um, the the sort of just the jargon and practices of a. Of an industry.
0: Dude, I have so much to learn. All right, so tools. The guy, the the tradesman who's, uh, you know, he's happy to get some overtime and he's just, he's far away from being set up for retirement and those kinds of things. What does the typical guy need to do? What tools does, should would you recommend that he begin with? And Mike, I don't know if you have some of those as well. Like, I don't know, people that you follow, uh, courses that you take and books that you've read or internet tools out there, where would you send a guy who wants to begin? People talk about Dave Ramsey or the different radio shows, or there's just different things where it's like, get a framework, get some steps. If you have zero money in the bank, let's start there. Get a little uh, emergency fund, or there may be a class through your church, or All good there things. are things that are available. What what are some one hundred one kind of basics where a guy might just to get a, a financial education?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that if people just really get to the basics of it, that's the start. That's really if if you can get to the basics of it, Dave Ramsey's, you know, really great about it's it's spending first, it's holding on to your money. Um, Dave Ramsey he he has a whole financial advisory arm that is how he monetizes his business and he gives away like Mike does the same business model. He gives away his knowledge on his radio show. And then, you know, you go invest with his advisory. And I think that, that retail therapy is probably what costs most people their wealth. Their future, huh? Their future. Retail therapy. Sorry, Mike, because you're
1: motorcycle spending. You're living on retail therapy, necessities, buddy. though. That's a, those. Are yes.
2: Yes. Um, KTM parts are necessity. So, uh, but I think retail therapy. You know, I mean, it's gotten harder for guys today than it was in generations past. How much is a new Ford pickup today? Hundred thousand dollars. You look at the cost of goods today compared to, as a percentage of of a person's earnings, based on our parents' generation and their parents' generation, and it's staggering. It's scary. And so, when a guy goes out today and has a little bit of retail therapy, it has even bigger a drag effect on his future wealth and his future than it did for his father or his father's father.
1: Because grandpa was just going, he went out and bought a knife. He bought a new knife. Yeah. When he felt like he had a couple of you know nickels in his pocket, they were wearing. Yeah, it out was his an pants. eight dollar buck knife. Yep, he went yeah. and bought some new boots, some yeah. shiny new boots, and and a knife.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah and his truck he kept for 40 years.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And you know this keeping up with the Joneses is is costing a lot of guys their future.
1: So in the pregame we talked about money as a resource to buy time. Can you drop away from this finish out whatever that thought yeah, you were no. saying here, yeah. and then drop into the concept that 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 the resource of money money is just a piece of paper that represents power yep. and you you can apply that power do anything you want. You could rub that power on a truck. If that's yeah. what you want, yeah. rub that power on w- fancy objects and shiny things, or you could rub that power on your own personal freedom.
2: So I, I yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. I know that for myself and I, uh, other men that I've spoke to about this, they've had similar experiences or or they want to have similar experiences in some cases where there's a time period when you, where you look at your bank account and yeah, there's a dollar amount, but that dollar amount really actually is a new pickup or that dollar amount is a new dirt bike. Or you look at it and you're like, oh, I, I, can, I can go buy this new part or these new pieces or this new vehicle or this travel trailer.
1: A g- really great example of that is a stimulus check. I know people who have, who have described that check as, a re- as representing like X product. Yeah. Oh, this check I can use it for. That's a Hawaii trip. Yeah. 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 It. Mm -hmm. They just basically flip the dollar amount into like a gun.
2: Right. They look at the number and they don't see what they see in that number is a material item. They're exchanging that for a material item. Now, the 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 argument can be made that well, if I exchange that fourteen hundred dollars for a gun, you know that gun's going to go up in value and inflation's going to eat the dollar, and you know you can make that, but by and large, right? Like my headlight, you know, my my headlight da- example. My headlight example earlier, right? We buy stupid shit and 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 things that aren't of value down the road or aren't going to appreciate. And there was a shift in my life that was very meaningful where I no longer saw those dollars in a bank account as a material item that I could now obtain. And I saw it as time. And I saw it as time that was going and freedom, freedom to choose, you know, having money in the bank is one of the only ways that you have the ability. You know, if you have a boss that you don't like that, or a workplace that's not friendly to you, or, you know, there's some situation in your work life that you'd like to change. You'd like to make a change. I think so many people are handcuffed to where they can't make the change that they need to make. Maybe, maybe, you know, boss you don't like wasn't a great analogy because you could probably deal with that. But, you know, if if you've got a job that you, you should be changing or you should be changing careers and maybe you need to go six months or a year without the same employment level that you have now, if you're strapped for debt and you don't have any money in the bank, you can't ever make that decision for yourself. And so when guys stop looking at that number in their bank account as a material item, and they start looking at it as freedom of options and choices in their life of time, whether it be different job, different house, relocation, time with family. You look at it as time. Your work controls you less. Your your paycheck to paycheck controls you less. And when you can make that shift, life changes for the better.
1: Dude, so I'm thinking about this guy. This is, uh, this is not a real story, but I'm thinking about the... Example of a of a dude who buys a Harley because it represents freedom, right? He's a working Joe, he's yeah. a tradesman. Okay, yeah. So he sees he sees this object and it represents this this image of uh, freedom and independence. Yeah. And then he he puts a loan on it. Yeah. And it handcuffs him to this fantasy of freedom. Yet his reality is he is he is now more tied to the job he hates and the hours he hates and the commute he hates working in a trade that he's kind of over and wish he could evolve past with this fantasy chase of freedom that is in effect more hands sits in his garage. And for most yeah. of the time it sits in his garage. Yeah. So to those dudes out there who love the concept of freedom and think it's found in objects and then accumulating debt to service those fantasies of freedom, that is a that is a complete fool's chase. Yep. And I think we've all been there. Yeah. And it is a level of of maturity that Justin's describing where you kind of evolve through that and you say, bullshit, that doesn't work. That's not, that's not true freedom. True freedom is in fact, something that looks quite different. True freedom is owning everything you have outright. Yeah. True freedom is owing no one anything. No one has a hook in you you're able to say at any point, this is true freedom at any point to just change directions, 180 degrees and say, I don't want to do that thing anymore. And I have complete latitude over my time and the the wherewithal of who I am to just stop that. Yeah. To, to just look at something and just say, yeah, I'm done. I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. It doesn't matter regardless of even what it is. Yep. And to just turn a corner and go a different direction. And and then not even look back.
2: And you and you don't have any of the like, well, I've I got a truck payment and a razor payment and a travel trailer and you got all this overhead that you've Obligation. created that that owns you. You mentioned I'm I'm a pilot. I mean, I think a lot of guys know I'm a pilot and I, I love airplanes and I have like an old beater airplane.
0: I, it's funny, I actually looked that up because I'm like this freaking guy asked Justin one time, dude, what 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 kind of, kind of <laughs> cash you got to be able to do these kind of things? You go on vacation for six months at a time and stuff like that and flying all over and dirt bikes and all these cool things. And he said, well, it's really about time. But when you posted your plane, I looked at, I Googled your airplane. I was like, this fool is making good decisions. That's why he's doing it like this. Anyway, I looked it up and I saw it was a little bit older. Yeah,
2: it's nineteen six. it's 60 years old. And like, I would love to have a newer, faster, slicker airplane.
1: State of the art. Yeah. I would love F-18. that. Oh, I'd love it.
2: But I own my airplane. I paid cash for it and everything that I do to it, I pay cash for. And there's a freedom in that. And there's, it, it's, it's less ball and chain. It's, I can enjoy that. Even though that airplane's 60 years old, I put some money into it that I had in cash and I made it what I wanted it to be. And, you know, I have guys that have the quarter million dollar plane that I look at and I'm just like, oh my God, what's that like to have and fly? And, you know, I I dream about that. And they're looking at my plane like, dude, you did it right. Dude, That that plane's sick you know, I'm literally in my plane, less money. Like I have friends that have more money in their razors and their can-am side-by-sides than I do my airplane. And they still like, they're like, dude, how do you do the airplane thing? I'm like, bro, I I don't have a razor.
1: (laughs) 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 So I think you're making a point here that we could spin off on. And it doesn't matter if you're the tradesman at that income level, you could also be the guy who is the high flyer living at the fancy gated community and you're still handcuffed. So income level is absolutely you and I, but all of us probably know dudes who who outwardly stretch who yes, they outwardly look like they are high flying. they like balling balling. You don't have a care in the world. You're going to the games, you're flying, you're doing the thing. I look at your Instagram, you're like, you know, driving the Lambo and whatever. And yet that dude can be just as ball strapped. You yeah. can have same kind of handcuffs as just the, you know, the work. You just guy. got a twelve
2: thousand dollar a month nut. That's all that is.
1: That is the same exact thing. So freedom, re- the kind of freedom that we're talking about, the kind of freedom I hope that you're catching the vision for, it's ir- Income is irrelevant. Really, the final numbers irrelevant. It's all about how you use it once you spend it. All. Oh, absolutely. So who cares what your relative income is? It's what your it's what your outflow is and. Justin is laying out a fantastic case. You could look, now I know this guy and I know that he's got a ranch, this airplane, uh, just sold a great, beautiful motorhome, cool house. He's got all the things, great motorcycles. But I will tell you that some of these, and he just confessed that that airplane is it's an older model. Yeah. And that motorhome wasn't top of the line.
2: No, it was 10 years old.
1: And... The other thing you could click through, I'm not going to, I'm not going to embarrass him by clicking through his, you know, his portfolio, but the point, the point I want to make, and maybe a little bit on my side too, like I have a lot of motorcycles, but all of them are older and I have, and my truck that I drive is probably 20 years old at this point, and I'm not going to replace it. And I look at, Justin talked about, you look at the number and I do that too. Sometimes I look at the number. I'm like, there's a there's a couple of new trucks here and there's, <laughs> there's this and there's that. I'm going to do it. And so yeah. for me, what freedom is, this is what freedom represents. Freedom represents looking at the number and then fantasizing for a moment, allowing myself to think like, whoa, shit, like- I could. That number now, It's fu- it's fun. I like it. Yeah. I like to fantasize and think, that number equals X or Y or whatever. And I like to take it a moment to do that. And then I move past because I know what happens. I know what would happen if I was to pull the trigger on that, that little urgy desire. Yeah. Then I got another thing I had to take care of. That is, that is very high value that requires like my crappy old truck. I park it anywhere. I don't even think about it. Yeah. But if I had a fancy Raptor, I would think twice about running down to Mexico as often as I do and parking where I do and throwing dirt bikes in the back of it. It just would cause me hassle and headache and drama that I don't, I don't want. Right. So I'm happy to drive my crappy old truck that represents, I could crash that truck and not even weep a tear. I think
2: the point here is it all comes back to, you got to have a job that you love spend wisely don't use retail therapy for therapy. Use Brad for therapy. Brad In the Alpha therapy. Quorum. In the Alpha Quorum, yeah. And, and uh, motorcycles. And, you airplanes. know, when you're at a place, when you're at a place where it is time in your life, because there is plenty of guys in the Alpha Quorum that are plenty successful, very successful guys in there um, that do invest and they do have portfolios that they manage of their own. Um, and there's lots of guys that are tradesmen that come out of the trades with a whole boatload of money you know, in 401k accounts and guys that are unions that have these big pensions and whatnot. Um, you know, when you do find yourself in that space, get outside of the retail world. That's, that's my only, you know, advice in that space. There's a huge world outside of Edward D Jones and Raymond James and Charles Schwab and Wells Fargo. Um, that is equivalent to there's probably guys on here and they're going to kill me, but Burger King, McDonald's, Wendy's, that's the same. It's that's fast food.
1: Mm.
2: And, and there are, there are other places to eat. And, and like secret hole in the wall,
1: amazing joints.
2: Yeah. And I've never advertised a dollar in my life. And I never will other than like, you know, motorcycle rides are advertisement, but you know, that that's how those places are. You know, the, the guys that have access to the really, really great investments out there, they don't need to advertise. There's more money being thrown at them than there are deals available, frankly. And so my advice to guys that are in the space that do have dollars to invest in portfolios that they manage of their own, look to diversify in other asset classes. Um, Something that people should, should Google for themselves is, the endowment style of model of, of investing was called the endowment model. And it was made famous by Yale and Stanford and some of these other big college endowments that they don't invest like a normal investor invests. They use different allocations where they, they add in, you know, a lot of real estate, a lot of multifamily housing, bare land for infill development. There's a lot of different asset classes that they invest in heavily outside of the public marketplace. So to anybody listening to this that has access by being an accredited investor, you know, do some research out there. There's there's a lot of investments out there that have very little volatility because they're non-tradable and they're a lot more stable in a you can really stabilize a portfolio by using non-traded investments when it's suitable for for the right investor,
1: boom. So I just pulled up Investopedia. Mm-hmm. How to invest like an endowment. Bookmarked. Reading this later, dude.
0: I I think what I'm getting from this, and we're gonna wrap this up. And I want you to plug your business here and tell us, tell guys how to get in sure. touch with you. But um, a lot of this seems to be about whatever you're doing, whatever level you're at. There's a way to do it better. There's a way to leverage it better. There are more resources than you could imagine well, available. The thing itself, the money the jobs, the opportunities or the tools, the people, the men, they're they're all around there. You just have to take the up, you gotta take the opportunity, you gotta take some risk and believe that you belong in that, in that space. I, I do want to talk about one other thing and just about how people see money. You see people sometimes the super spiritual poor guy who talks about money as the root of all evil. And we've got entrepreneur here, Taco Mike, who is one of the most humble people that I know and does not at all seem to be a materialistic person. And yet he's in business for himself and it's booming. You also seem to be a, a you know a humble guy in your soul a little bit there, uh, Justin, but this is something that you recognize as opportunity. You're talking about time. You see it as something more than it is. Money is the root of all evil. My wife says that all the time about the terrible things going on in the world. It's actually misquoted Bible verse that says the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is a resource. It's just a tool. And Mike talked about, you can throw it, you can donate it. You can give it away. You can throw it at a stripper. You can do whatever you want with your money. It's just a resource, but an alpha is resourceful. He knows how to get it. He knows how it works. He knows the language. He knows these words that they don't, Nobody already ever teaches you. You have to go seeking it, knowing that whatever I'm doing, there's a way to multiply it. Absolutely. Whatever I'm doing, there's a way to grow it and make it more powerful because my obligation, my responsibility is to give and love and to serve and to be charitable and to provide for my family and to teach them to continue to do the same. I just think so much of this is about mindset, vocabulary, attitude, Opening your mouth, asking the question, researching the topics. Justin, how do guys get a hold of you? Uh, my business name is John Galt Wealth Solutions,
2: johngaltwealth.com. And uh, our phone number's on there. And anybody on this uh, group wants to reach out to me and call me, and ask me any questions. I'm always available and
0: call. What if, and... what if they're not an accredited investor?
2: Oh, that's fine. I don't charge
0: a
1: fee. I you don't, look down on us, little pleons. Ass, stop it. You'll uh, talk to uh, us. So. <laughs> guy's hey, this dude bus. reached
0: out to me to let me borrow his bike. That's the kind of man we're talking <laughs> about. <laughs> he didn't. He wasn't. He didn't need anything from me. <laughs> he was courageous in giving. So I just really appreciate you being here, man. We've got some other topics we're going to pursue here a little bit later. Any closing thoughts, Mike? Justin,
2: make it, keep it, grow it. That's
0: what, no matter where
2: you're at in life, you're doing one of those three things with wealth. You're trying to figure out how to make it. You're figuring out how to keep it. You're figuring out how to grow it. And so everybody's in that one of those stages. And there's a way to better that in in every stage.
1: Taco Mike, any closing words? Yeah, I think money represents power. So I don't think money is the root of all evil. I think the desire, the love of power is the root of all evil. So money to me represents little pieces of power. So every time I have a piece of, but think about it. When you, have a little, when you have a little piece of paper and it has a number on it, that's represents the amount of power that that is trapped into that piece of paper.
2: It's a token. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: So it's either got a one on it or a 100 and people will respond to the power of a one much different than the power of a 100. And so a piece of money is a, is a token of power. It's a representative power. And so my philosophy is it's the love of power. That's the root of all evil. And so I, if I love power, then I will love money and I will use it to destroy myself. Uh, that's the end game. The end game of power is self-destruction. However, if if my end game is community and relationship and tribe, then I will use money as a tool, no different than I could use a hammer to kill someone, or I could use a hammer to fix something. And so a tool, a knife in my in my toolbox can be very helpful, or I could again, I could kill something or hurt something with it. And so, just like the tools in my box are either either uh, uh, it's it's an asset or a liability to me, so is my money, and then the emotion that I apply to it, and then the the way I vision the use of that money. And so, I want to have a ton of money because. <laughs> I want just for the same reason, I want to have a big ass toolbox. I want to have in my garage, every tool out there. And I like tools and I find that tools save me time and they save me effort and they save me energy and they help me be more productive and they help me help people. And so I would like to have all the money.
2: You know, there's a saying for that, since we're using the F word, you know, there's a saying for that, right? <laughs> What's that? It's called f*** you money.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do know that one. <laughs> I want to be that guy. <laughs> I want to be that guy who has, and I've, it's, it's interesting that I've come to this philosophy. I've gotten to this mindset and it hasn't been forever. I remember it's only been the last little bit that I have come to this mental place of like, I want to have a f- ton of money because I want to use it I want to have the ability to, for the same reason I want to have all those tools, for the same mm-hmm. reason I want my tribe to encompass everything possible to, to do as much good. I want to write big, old, fat, stupid, sloppy checks to, peep, to that farmer's group, that farmate thing. I want to have, I want to You want to go
2: on YouTube, they make you cry, you write them a check.
1: I want to I watch a YouTube video, that you cry, and I want to write them just a big, <laughs> stupid, <laughs> sloppy check. And I want it to be anonymous Yeah. and I want it. And I do things in a very, I'm a, I'm a micro philanthropist, Mm -hmm. very small. And it's all secret. I, and whenever I interact with somebody in their little organization, I specifically say that I don't exist. I do not, this is not for me. I don't want any credit. Do not put my name on a list. Don't never. I never want to see my name ever. Is that
2: because you never want it misconstrued as advertising or (laughs) you don't, or, or self-serving?
1: Yes, yes and no. So yes, I don't want it to look like it's self-serving, but I also believe that I believe in the in the model of philanthropy that Jesus taught that that the apostles taught. I believe in the New Testament version of of philanthropy where the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing and so the right hand can't its ego can't be inflated. I don't that any wealth that I have and accumulate it's it's a gift. Like I was given a little, you know, a little spark or there's a little something inside of me that I didn't it was just there. Mm-hmm. I didn't work for it. It was just a gift, and so if I have a tool, I just want to give it away, and I don't want to. I don't want to parade. I don't want anyone to check. I don't want to streamers. Just, just take it and do good with it.
0: So. I've, se- I, I know that Mike does that. I've seen. My wife had a, uh, she, there was a little cause that she had, a, you know, her birthday um, donation thing or whatever that she had. And it was something that was very special to her and something that Mike knew about that we were going through. And there was an anonymous donor of a of a high amount, of, of a high ratio of the total goal. And I knew that it was Mike. I, I believe that Mike was the person who did that. I don't know what you're talking about. Because it was a high number and it was anonymous, that's got his fingerprint all over. So I love that whole thing that it's about power and what you choose to do with that power is to, as far as possible, anonymously bless other people. You want to be able to do the things that are important to you, which I know happens to be about selflessness and so forth. Dude, you guys, this is, I'm telling you, I, we we got to grow the, we got to grow the audience because this thing, when you said, you know, make it, keep it, grow that applies probably to every good thing that you have in your life. And I, we've got to do that for this. We've got to double the size of our, uh, Listenership before we post this podcast because it's very valuable. So thank you, man, for being here, Justin. Absolutely, Taco Mike. You're always just a stud, dude. This this stuff is good. Remember to take a picture of you with the uh, with your little trophy and your little hundred dollar. His little hundred dollar. He's gonna buy some airplane parts with that (laughs) hundred dollar Visa card. I am. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, you guys. Hey, thanks for joining in. No excuses. Alpha.
1: Gentlemen, you are the Alpha, and this is the Alpha Quorum.